Welcome to the Small Bowler Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who is very glad he does not live in Buffalo, Brendan Siegel. How are you doing? Um, yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, not a lot of snow here in Cleveland. Some snow. I have some friends who have gotten worse than I did. Uh, Buffalo, it seems like they're at like six feet or five and a half feet or something. Right, Trevor? Like, that's nuts. Yeah, on uh, on the Countdown show this morning on ESPN, they said 77 inches in Buffalo. That is absolutely insane. Like, that's crazy. Uh, I just, I can't even imagine uh, that much snow. And we get snow in Cleveland. We get a lot of snow, Trevor, but I can't even think of, you know, the last time that we had that much snow. So, you know, good luck to people there. Um, you know, they obviously moved their game to Detroit. Um, so the Browns and Bills will be in Detroit today. Um, but look, we have an action-packed podcast today. I gotta introduce the third member of the podcast, um, and that is, of course, Ben O'Brien. Ben, it's lovely to be talking to you today. I'm giving you good vibes today. I'm I'm positive today, in a good, good attitude today, so how are you? I'm fantastic, man, and I, I, uh, I appreciate the good vibes. I will say that it's probably a good thing you don't live in Buffalo, Brandon, because 77 inches, that's like two of you. I mean, I'd be, I'd be genuinely concerned for your safety if there were 77 inches where you were living because I, I don't think, I mean, it would take it would take weeks for that to melt down to your yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, 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 I'm glad that you're safe. I'm glad, you're Ben, the second after, like, the first positive intro I have for you in our history, you're just like, yeah, 77 inches, that's, like, double your height, you know? It just drop me down a peg. You're acting like, like I, I just said I was concerned for your safety. I was, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm genuinely yeah. happy that you are not in Buffalo right now. Because it's it's a lot taller than what you are. I just I th- I think it, you would struggle as as a short man. I think you would yeah, struggle. Yeah, uh, not short actually, quite tall. But so here's the thing. Uh, here's the thing, Ben Trevor. Like I said, we have an action-packed podcast. We have like 95 things to talk about. We have a special interview with Josh uh, that'll be towards the middle of this podcast about the World Cup. We got a lot to talk about, so we're gonna get right into it today, uh, Trevor. We have kind of our our first real week of college basketball where there's a lot of ranked teams playing a lot of other ranked teams. We had a lot of upsets this week. Just a lot went down in the world of college basketball. And, I, I you know, why don't you give us the update? What, what, what were the notable games? You know, what notable players stood out to you? Um, you know, what's, what's, what happened? Yeah, absolutely. And just a disclaimer to any listeners, like, we, we have a long podcast today. We're going to start with college basketball. Then we're going to do college football. We got some World Cup. We got some NBA, got some NFL. So if you want to take a look at the timestamps and jump around to whatever league, whatever you want to look at, you can do that. If you want to listen to the whole podcast, even better. Uh, we, we appreciate that too. Uh, but nevertheless, we're going to start here with college basketball. And yes, Brandon, you're right. There were a lot of incredible games. Um, and I'm going to start with the Champions Classic. I'm going to go through these two games. Uh, the one in particular that was more interesting to me was the Michigan State-Kentucky game. Now, the Michigan State Spartans, they beat Kentucky in double overtime, 86-77. to um, This game is a game that, it was close throughout, but I think um, in large part, Kentucky had the lead for a lot of the game, and it seems like there were many different points at the game where Kentucky could have put away Michigan State. They could have, you know, maybe distanced themselves. They could have made a play here, play there. They get a defensive stop here. And now they're shooting free throws, free throws, and they and they win the game by, I don't know, four or five points. But they didn't do that because there were two, there were two out-of-bounds plays that Tom Izzo, one, one of the best coaches that we've ever seen in this sport, he drew up two yep, out-of-bounds plays that resulted in Malik Hall dunks, not once, but twice. Malik Hall dunked the ball 
on out-of-bounds plays, and I think both of them tied up the game. One of them was near the end of regulation, and the other one was near the end of the first overtime. And for the Kentucky, for a Kentucky team led by John Calipari, who is also, you know, John Calipari, he's highly regarded as one of the best coaches in college basketball. I think I was listening to the CBS Sports College Basketball Podcast. I think they had a panel where they were ranking the top 25 coaches, and I think John Calipari was like fourth on their list. And I looked at that list, and this was before this game happened, and I was like, John Calipari's fourth? Like, yeah, I know Kentucky's usually good, and they do a really good job of recruiting, and I guess that was part of their ranking was the recruiting. But if we're talking just, like, in-game coaching, to me there's no way Calipari's the fourth best coach in college basketball. I think there are quite quite a decent amount of coaches that are better than him. And this game was a, a, a good example of that. I think Izzo far outcoached John Calipari in this game. Those two out-of-bounds plays were just two, you know, notable examples of that. But, I mean, this Kentucky team, they're much more talented than Michigan State. They should have won this game and they weren't able to close it out uh, on a couple different occasions. Michigan State ended up kind of running away with it and double overtime. And, and that's kind of my takeaways from this game. I think Tom Izzo outcoached John Calipari. Um, now, there were players that stood out for Kentucky. I do really like Cason Wallace. Um, I think I, I actually would have liked to see him get more uh, opportunities, like more plays called for him. Maybe him be a little bit more selfish with the ball. He he's a very unselfish player. He's you know trying to set up his teammates. He's a really good defender uh, and stuff like that. But to me, he he jumped up the page for Kentucky. I think he's well, I don't know if he's their best player because they still have Oscar Shibwe who looked really good. But he's their best pro prospect, I think, in Casey Wallace. So I want to see him get more opportunities. I think he's really good. And then Michigan State, they shot the ball well. Joey Hauser. Uh, my guy, Matty Sissoko, had another good game. I talked about him last week. Um, so really good game for Michigan State. Um, but Ben, I, I don't know if you caught any of this game, but seeing the result of this win for Michigan State here, uh, do, you, do you have any thoughts on this one? I mean, it, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to be surprised by the outcome. I mean, all we do in, in East Lansing is win. That's all we do. That's all Tom Izzo knows. Um, I mean, far, but not even close, the most superior basketball program in the state of Michigan. Um, just an impressive win for Tom Izzo again. Like, and I agree with you, Trevor. I think on, like most people would assume that Kentucky's the better team. Um, but that's the great thing about like these champion and classic games, the, the four teams that are in these every year, is it doesn't really matter who's like the better team. They're they're typically good good games because of one, how well the the coaches know each other and how what you know many times they've coached against each other. But two, even Michigan State being on paper not as talented as Kentucky, they still have a lot of talent on that team. Um, and then when you pair that with a coach like Tom Izzo, which again, not even close. If you were to rank coaches, he'd be one, two, three, and four. Um, it, it, it's those games are always going to be good matchups. So I'm not surprised that it was as good of a game as it was. Maybe I'm I'm a little bit surprised that Kentucky lost. But again, with these Champions Classics, you're always going to get good games. They're always going to be marquee bat marquee matchups against you know the foremost or four of the most you know prestigious programs in the sport. Yeah, absolutely. And in Michigan State, you know, they really have like a really tough schedule at the start of the year. I mean, they already played Gonzaga. Uh, they lost to them by a point. They just beat Kentucky in double overtime. And then they actually just played Villanova on Friday. They beat Villanova by two, 73-71. Another good win for them. And I mean, just this week, like on Thanksgiving, they go and they have to play Alabama in the, the Phil Knight Invitational. Then they play Notre Dame uh, the following week. So like, 
Michigan State, I mean, Izzo definitely is putting a lot of tough games on their schedule. So going to be interesting to see um, going forward with that team. But they're definitely outperforming expectations that pretty much everyone had for them so far. Um, the other team, or the other game, I'll go through this one quickly, in the Champions Classic was Kansas and Duke. Kansas won this one 69-64. Um, Kansas was without their coach Bill Self in this game, and Duke had to play without one of their you know, five-star freshmen, Dariq Whitehead, uh, a player who I, uh, I really like just from watching you know, some highlights and stuff from high school. But this game, um, I, I think Kansas at the moment is the better team. I think they're a little more experienced than Duke is. Obviously, Duke has a lot of new players coming in, and Kansas does too, but I think Duke more so. So it's definitely going to take time. Duke, they're a team that has a high ceiling, I think, you know, once Lively, um, you know, gets more reps and, and continues to play, he, he obviously could be a very good player this year. Tariq Whitehead, you know, when we get to see him, I think he did just come back in Duke's latest game. So we'll get to see once he comes back for Duke. But at the moment, I think Kansas is the better team. They showed that. They won the game. Um, I, I guess the biggest takeaway for Kansas um, in this one, you did have uh, Jalen Wilson with a really good night. Uh, 25 points, 11 rebounds. Um, I mean, he's he's their best player, it seems like, and that's what a lot of people thought at the beginning of the year. Uh, he could even have a shot at maybe the Wooden Award. Maybe Jalen Wilson could be in the running for player of the year. He's really solid. Um, and, you know, and they have a couple other guys. I mean, Grady Dick, he came in. He had 14 points for them. He was solid. Um, and Kevin McCuller at 12 points. So Kansas is a solid team. Um, you know, we'll have to see, you know, going forward, obviously, with them. But they'll, they're pretty solid. Um, next game I want to mention is the Texas Gonzaga game, because this was a little bit of a shocker for a lot of people. Texas beat Gonzaga 93 to 74 on Wednesday. Um, I mean, they shot the lights out. They shot really well against Gonzaga and they just straight up from wire to wire looked like the much better team. I mean, they had a 20 point lead, a couple different points in this game. And I got to mention one of my favorite players in college basketball last year, who, who still is. Uh, he goes by the name of Tyrese Hunter. Uh, he transferred from Iowa State to Texas in the offseason, and he had an awesome night. I mean, Tyrese Hunter had 26 points in this one. He shot 5 of 8 from 3. And that's a little, um, I think that's a little surprising for a lot of people because Tyrese Hunter last year, he was kind of known as more of a defender for Iowa State when he was playing. He was a very good defender. He made a lot of winning plays, um, you know, and he was more of like a lead point guard, a little bit more of a prototypical point guard where he can set up his teammates, pass it well, and then he was just an awesome defender. But if he's a guy who can start shooting the ball well, you know, put up five threes, I mean, certainly uh, that's where um, you, you start getting, you know, maybe he starts rising in some draft boards. I'm, you know, when I've looked at some draft boards, I, I see Tyrese Hunter maybe in them, but he's not like super high. I think Tyrese Hunter could be a first-round draft pick, personally. I really like him. I liked him last year. And this Texas team, uh, I mean, they seem like a real threat to teams like Kansas and Baylor. I think you have to put Texas in that mix. I think it's a three-team race in the Big 12. From the Gonzaga side, uh, it's a little bit of a continuation of them not looking so great against Michigan State, to be honest. I think they were unimpressive in that game. And I think this was another game where it's like, ah, what's going on with Gonzaga? And I think part of it is the point guard position. You know, for so many years, they always have like a solid point guard. Last year was Andrew Nemhard, who was awesome for them. And this year, I think like Hunter Salas, uh, Salas he's one of the guys. 
uh, and or Nolan Hickman, I think more so, especially Nolan Hickman. He's kind of, I guess, supposed to be the guy that's supposed to step in as the point guard and you know pick up that role. But he's, you know, he's a sophomore. He's young, um, and maybe he'll get there. But at the moment, that's kind of one of the things I think that Gonzaga is missing. Um, just a few other quick games. Indiana beats Xavier 81-79. Uh, good win for Indiana there. We had um, a good 14 tournament on Friday. Virginia beating Baylor 86-79. Is Virginia back? It kind of looks like it. Um, Illinois beating UCLA. That was a phenomenal game for Illinois. Terrence Shannon, the transfer from Texas Tech, 8 of 9 from 3, which is just absolutely insane. I was watching this game on Friday night just going absolutely nuts because every time he took a shot, it's like, that's going in. And it went in. It, it was nuts. Terrence Shannon, he's <laughs> he looks awesome for Illinois. And I actually really love this Illinois team because I think they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of players. They're just very likable. They have this big man that's a transfer from Baylor. I think his name's Dane Danger. Um, it's not like it's it's like almost like danger, like a short of danger that I think they were kind of playing off on the broadcast. It's spelled differently, but he's really fun coming in as a big man off the bench for Illinois. And then I have to mention um, a certain player that we all, all three of us, have actually watched play. He goes by the name of Sincere Harris. Um, he played at St. Vincent St. Mary, um, and we got to see him play when they played Sierra Canyon a few years ago. Um, and he was a player that stood out to me. He had a good game in that game. And now for Illinois, he comes off the bench as a freshman and immediately gets two steals on a full court press against UCLA that, that kind of leads, uh, to this run that Illinois mounts and ultimately they win the game. So wanted to mention that again, just so many great games this week. Um, but I guess I'll stop there. Brandon, if you kind of look at some of these games that I talked about, is there anything that really stands out? Obviously, maybe it's the Gonzaga one, but anything that kind of stands out to you? I was going to say, I think it has to be Texas-Gonzaga. I mean, <clears throat> even in 11 verse 2, I mean, those teams, in theory, are relatively close. Beating uh, Gonzaga by 19 points is is absolutely insane. Just absolutely insane. Um, what, I mean, what a win for, for the University of Texas. So that one has to be the one that pokes out most to me. Trevor, I wanted to ask you one final college basketball question. If you had to pick one player that you think looks like the best college basketball player at the moment, who would you pick? Oh, that's a tough one. The The best college basketball player at the moment. Um, That's tough. I mean, I haven't watched Houston play yet, but I know that Marcus Sasser is very high on that list for me. Um, I really like his game. Um, Other than him... I think Jalen Wilson for Kansas is another really strong candidate there for the best, uh, for, I guess, you know, player. As far as just, like, best player I've seen, it would be Terrence Shannon from Illinois. Uh, just of the games that I have watched so far, I think at the moment Terrence Shannon Jr. from Illinois has been the best player to start this season. Um, doesn't mean that it'll absolutely continue because, again, like, you know, he might have some bad shooting nights here or there, but... So far of the games I've watched, I think Terrence Shannon Jr. from Illinois has probably been the best player I've watched. Interesting. Very interesting. All right. Well, why don't we continue on with college and go over to college football um, that happened yesterday. We saw 
A lot of the uh, top teams have relatively close games. Michigan winning by two over Illinois. Georgia winning by 10 over Kentucky. Ohio State 13 over Maryland. TCU just one point over Baylor. Um, we saw Tennessee lose. Um, so all top five teams had either relatively close games um, or losses. Uh, so, Ben, let's let's go to you first. Anything notable that you want to talk about uh, from college football? Um, you know, we're gearing up for a pretty good Michigan-Ohio State game this, this next weekend. Yes, we are. Um, and I'll let you talk about that, Brandon. But, I mean, I don't know how you can't talk about Tennessee. Like, And, like, Tennessee's one of those teams where, and I said it on here, I wanted they're, they they're what Georgia was to me 10 years ago where in, until you prove to me that you are legit I'm just not going to believe you're legit I think you're a fraud um, and then they, they go out and they beat Alabama and I'm like okay I think I'm on it and then they, you know they kind of get steamrolled by Georgia and it's like is this team legit they're clearly not the best team in the SEC and if they're the second best team there's a big gap between them and Georgia um, and then you know they, they still rattle off some wins or whatever and then you have this performance yesterday against a middle of the pack SEC team in South Carolina. Um, and yes, South Carolina has talent. Spencer Rattler is very talented. We know that, okay? And he throws for six touchdowns. But, I mean, Tennessee fans, it's they got humbled a little bit because we've been hearing a lot on Twitter about Tennessee fans saying how TCU doesn't deserve to be number four. They're, they're frauds. They're going to lose. Tennessee's going to get that four spot. They're going to be in the playoff. Um, and it's one of those things where Tennessee's got – stop worrying about TCU. you, you got to take care of the, your own business. Take care of the teams in front of you. And Tennessee couldn't do that. Um, it's not even like – it's not even the fact that they lost. It's the fact that, one, they gave up 63 points, and two, it really was never that close. I mean, even when it was a 10-point game, South Carolina just had the feel of they're at home. It seems like Tennessee was always playing catch-up, and they could never get back to where they needed to be to win that game. Um, and then, obviously, at the end, it, it gets out of hand, and they, they, they lose by whatever it is, 25 points or whatever. So um, it, it's just interesting. And it's, it's if you're going to be you know a, a premier team in college football, a, you know, in Alabama, maybe not this year, but a Georgia and even like an Ohio State to an extent, you can't be losing these games and you really can't be losing these games by 20 plus points. Um, and that's why college football is so great because there's no there's no room for error. I mean, Tennessee loses the one game on the road to Georgia and that's like their one strike. You don't get a second strike and this is their second strike. Um, their playoff chances are done. Um, it, it, it's, it's sad because I would have loved to see them in the playoffs just because it's a, it's a new team. It's a different team. It's not the same three or four teams that we're used to seeing, but um, it, it is what it is. It was not meant to be. Obviously, Tennessee. Um, I, I'm not. I don't think that their fans should be concerned in terms of long term. I think they're still a great program. They've always been a, a program that can re- recruit. But it's got to be a disappointment after after last night because I mean this was their chance. They had a fantastic team. They've already proven they can beat you know some top dogs, and they just couldn't get it done when it mattered against a team that they had no vis- no business losing to. Yeah, very very interesting. I, I just feel like. Uh... Tennessee's a weird team this year, Ben. Uh, they really are kind of a weird team. I know, uh, you know, I, I, I pray for the best for Hendon Hooker. Uh, hopefully he's okay. Looked like his ACL could potentially not be intact there. Um, I, I'm hoping for the best for him. Um, but, look, Tennessee's a good team. They kind of had, like, a weird year. Um, we, we see, I feel like there's been a couple teams like that. Like, LSU's kind of the same way. Like, they're winning, but they're 9-2. and two. It's kind of weird. Uh, you know, Alabama's 9-2. and two. It's just been kind of a weird year at college football. Trevor, anything you want to comment on? Any game that, you know, stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, just to add to that, uh, the the whole Tennessee-South Carolina convo, I mean, Spencer Rattler in this game, South Carolina scores 63 points. Spencer Rattler has six touchdown passes and 434 yards, like an awesome game, 30 of 37, 
you know, from the field or passing, like where was this in like all of the other games? I mean, last week they played Florida and South Carolina scored six points and he didn't have any touchdown passes. So it kind of came out of nowhere. This guy who was like so highly recruited, he was like best quarterback in the country a few years ago. And then he kind of falls off yet. You know, obviously everything that happened with Oklahoma, he goes to South Carolina and, you know, it's pretty quiet. You haven't really heard a lot about him this year. And all of a sudden, in this random game against one of the best teams in the country, he just goes off and has an awesome performance. So, I don't know. It's pretty interesting there. Um, other games, as you mentioned, Michigan and TCU both with close calls. I, I really kind of thought that Baylor was going to win against TCU. Just like when I checked the score, and I was like, I think it was like 14-14. I was like tuned in for a little bit of it. I was like, I think Baylor might pull this out. It just like kind of, it feels like it might happen. Like TCU, they're undefeated. Is TCU really going to go undefeated and make the playoff? I, I didn't really think so, to be honest. But TCU did survive. They they won the game. And uh, they love to see another day. You look at TCU's remaining schedule here. They have Iowa State um, coming up. And then, obviously, the, the Big 12 championship. So the path is kind of cleared for TCU here. To finish the season undefeated. Will they do so? I don't know. We'll have to see, I guess. Uh, the Michigan aspect of it obviously is interesting too. It would have been disappointing, I think, for the Ohio State-Michigan robbery. It would have been disappointing uh, for all college football fans in general if Michigan had lost that game. Uh, because Ohio State-Michigan, uh, both teams going in this game undefeated is a thousand times better than a one-loss Michigan versus an undefeated Ohio State. So I am I am glad that Michigan won the game and they're undefeated to go into next week. Yeah. No, it's definitely it's definitely better for the storyline. I think Ohio State's going to destroy him anyway. It seems like Blake Corum potentially might not play, which would be very detrimental to uh, Michigan's chances. But we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but I think, I think that's kind of all for college football. Um, it's time to get into the meat and bones here uh, of, of our podcast. Um, and look, <coughs> guys, on Friday... I had the honor of sitting down with uh, the soccer encyclopedia, Josh Baskin, and we, we had a little uh, World Cup preview. Um, so for all you guys who've been waiting for this, here is our World Cup preview with Josh. It was just me and Josh. Unfortunately, Ben and Trevor couldn't be there, but that's okay. We missed them. Josh missed them. He gave you guys a nice shout-out. So, you know, hopefully you guys all enjoy the interview. We'll cut to that right now. All right, and so now it is our, our time here for... Uh, it's the time to interview a great man, uh, one of my best friends in the whole world. Uh, some know across the plains uh, is this mastermind of soccer. We call him a cycle, soccer encyclopedia. That is, of course, Josh Baskin. Josh, it's just me and you today. We're missing Trevor and Ben, but that's okay. I, I'm super excited to hear uh, what you have to say because we have the World Cup coming up. So how, how are you doing, Josh? I'm doing well. I appreciate the fine intro. It's unfortunate that we're without the two best members of this podcast. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think it's that unfortunate. I think I think it's done better this way. I almost think we should kick them off, and, and it's just me and you on the small board podcast. I, I would disagree. I know that on this podcast. <laughs> it's Team Trevor and Ben. I'm still Team Trevor and Ben. All right, all right. Well, enough enough with that. But look, Josh, um, exciting oh, real quick, stuff. Though, real quick, uh, let's show Go some ahead. love to the other honorary member of this podcast, Noah Bearson. No shade today. He's uh, up there. Saw some some no, big news okay, coming no out for today. Noah Bearson, and I'm yeah, very happy yeah, for him. he's we're we're very happy for Noah. He's he's a, a new coach. New he's the freshman high school coach, um, somewhere in New Jersey, which is great. I, I <laughs> posted on Instagram story. 
I don't know where it is, but I'm very happy for him. I'm hoping I can make it to a game. I am as well, most definitely. We'll have to take that road trip together. But look, we're not here to talk about basketball, Josh. We have the World Cup coming up this week. Uh, so, you know, full full disclosure here. We are recording this early. We're recording this on the 18th. This episode comes out uh, the 20th. Um, so, you know, this week we have the World Cup. Um, and look, Josh, uh, I'm I'm super excited. I, I'm super, super excited um, to watch, you know, our, our boys in red, white, and blue uh, battle it out in uh, Qatar. So, so what, do, what do you think about U.S. soccer's chances here, you know, some of the players they have? You know, just, just go into it. Go right into it. Yeah, most definitely. So, you know, a few things is that right off the bat, we've been waiting eight years for this. Uh, we did not oh, qualify yeah. for 2018. It was very disappointing. So for most casuals, this will, be the, this will be the first time in eight years that you watch your three to six soccer games uh, because the U.S. is playing. So uh, that's the first thing. So uh, since 18... Uh, there's been a lot of upside and a lot of great things that this U.S. team has seen. Uh, back in 18, I know it looked very bleak uh, for that time period, but we've come out uh, on, a, on a better side. The grass has been greener, Brandon. Uh, but we're going to mm-hmm. start with the U.S., uh, not even with the games, but with the, the squad of 26 that we have. Now, in previous World Cups, they've only had 23-man squads. We've got a 26-man squad now. Uh, I know with uh, COVID and a lot of things over the past few years with the substitution rules, uh, I know FIFA was a little more willing to add a few more players for this World Cup also because it is during the winter, yeah. uh, which is very obviously uncommon. It's going to be a different time period for everybody watching. It's going to be very strange. But with the squad, Brandon, there was a few uh, things that I wanted to talk about of the coach, Greg Berhalter. I've not been a, the biggest fan I thought letting Jurgen Klinsmann go, uh, the coach from 2014, was, was very bad. Um, however, in 12 matches, he's 5-4-3. and three. So, you know, is what it is in CONCACAF uh, when you're playing teams like Canada, Panama, Mexico, and so on and so forth. But one thing with Greg Berhalter, and the biggest reason I do not like this man, is that he takes a lot from the MLS, and he's very stubborn. So with this squad, there's more MLS players than I would like to see. Uh, one of those examples, you know, is a guy like Jordan Morris, 27 years old. Or excuse me, not 27 years old. Um, I don't have it right absolutely in front of me. Uh, that's his teammate Christian Roldan in center midfield that we brought with us. Uh, there's two MLS guys right there that, in my opinion, you know, are, are solid players for the league. But... Coming into World Cup, there was a few exclusions that were left off, in my mind, especially on the attacking front. Now, I know with the attackers, uh, there's a decent amount uh, and most of, amount of European talent there, but uh, you have a guy, for example, out in Germany for Union Berlin, Jordan Pifo, played with BS, uh, BSC Young Boys in Switzerland. Uh, they're two-time champions in, in the past three years. Uh, someone who's in fine form right now uh, with, a part, uh, with a strike partner of Sherlando Becker. Uh, like I said, they're out in Germany, uh, one of the more underrated teams. They are in a European competition, but he's on fine form. He wasn't selected. Like I said, you have a guy, Jordan Morris, 28, a fine player, but uh, in a World Cup, uh, he's got the European exposure and, and the talent. He wasn't brought with us. I think a guy on defense is someone like Reggie Cannon. Uh, he plays right wing back for a team in Portugal called Boa Vista. Uh, he featured a decent amount in the qualifying but was never really uh 
uh, a, a nail-on uh, selection uh, because of Serginho Dest at the starting right-back position. Joe Scali, who's come up from Borussia Mönchengladbach, has taken that place, but I'd still like, and they also have DeAndre Yedlin from the 2014 World Cup as well. He was a young player at that time, uh, came out of Akron, ironically. Um, but besides that, for this U.S. team, it's the midfield. That's where their heart and soul really is. Uh, I call it a, a trident, or you could even throw in a fourth if you wanted to, of Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa, Weston McKenney, and Giovanni Reyna or Brendan Aronson, depending on the first big issue, Brandon, mm-hmm. that we have with this U.S. squad of a selection. So I don't even know what formation we're going to play because of the midfield and attacking threat we have. Interesting. It's a good thing to have, Brandon, but unfortunately, uh, there's a few things in the line uh, up front with that attacking midfield position. That's a big if, and Greg, Ber- uh, Greg Berhalter is in charge of making that right choice. So with the, the nail on up front, obviously everyone knows Christian Pulisic. He's going to be up there, no doubt. However, the man uh, that is, in my opinion, second nails down on the attacking list is Giovanni Reyna. His father, Claudio, played for the U.S. and is, uh, was a great player for, uh, for us. However, Giovanni Reyna, 20 years old from Borussia Dortmund, you wouldn't have seen him a lot in qualifying, unfortunately, due to injury. If you saw a glimpse of him, it was against Honduras when he made a, about like a 70-yard run through the midfield. Uh, didn't end in anything, but in my opinion, Giovanni Reyna is actually the spark the U.S. needs besides Pulisic. You see a lot of, uh, you know, you, uh, you know, Pulisic, LeBron James, the soccer stuff, and that's all they'll know. Uh, however, Giovanni Reyna, four years uh, younger uh, Pulisic, also coming from the same uh, Dortmund team at the same age. Mm-hmm. Giovanni Reyna, in my opinion, is the one that's actually going to take this team by the forefront and get them to where they need to be, not really Pulisic. So with that in mind, Pulisic and Reyna, uh, it's tough because Reyna's best position is attacking midfield. However, like I said, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, and Tyler Adams are three midfielders slash defensive midfielders that are absolutely nailed on have to be in this side. So it leaves two players, Brandon Timothy Weah, who's normally a center forward mm-hmm. right winger, and it also leaves Brendan Aronson, uh, who's an attacking midfielder left winger out of Leeds, uh, Leeds United. Uh, both uh, very, very key pieces for the U.S. team. However, Brandon, someone has to sit out. I don't know who it's going to be because they like uh, Jesus Ferreira uh, from FC Dallas, the 21-year-old up front. He's normally the main striker. However, like I said, don't think you need to be rel- uh, You should be relying on uh, Jesus Ferreira in his first professional tournament from the MLS. Um, you have other guys, uh, in my opinion, like I said, Timothy Way might be able to lead the line. Greg Berhalter brought in a surprise of Haji Wright from Antalya Spor in Turkey. Uh, try pronouncing that one again. But like I said, uh, it's going to be his really first stint with the U.S., so that was a surprise call, especially someone over, like I said, Jordan Pifok. However, the big thing with the U.S. team is that they actually have some surprisingly decent depth, especially uh, with players playing in Europe. So overall, Brandon, if I had to give a, a rating on how I feel of this squad of 26, I'd give it maybe a 7, and that's being generous on the overall. Interesting. So you think this is kind of more of a middle-of-the-pack team? So the U.S. is is possibly a middle-of-the-pack to below-pack team. Unfortunately, they are on record for sure the youngest team at the tournament with an average age of barely 24. So it's going to be very interesting. There's not going to be someone like you had in those old teams like a Tim Howard or a Michael Bradley, even a Dempsey or Donovan, that's really going to grab the 
the players in the starting 11 if they go down a goal if they uh, you know it's late in the game and it's 1-1 and they get you know then uh, they concede on that time goal you know the the big worry Brandon is is the leadership and the the captaincy you know Pulisic is obviously uh, a captain of ours as well as someone like Tyler Adams who I think should wear it he's a defensive midfielder like I said coming out of Leeds as well more so really the heart and soul of what this U.S. team is about and Brandon you know, the seven, like I said, is generous, but in that seven out of ten, uh, you would have known from this U.S. team that uh, they're different in a, than a lot of these teams in the World Cup and that they really are, uh, you know, one for another. There's really no giving up with any U.S. team. Back to the 2014 World Cup, you look at our second game, played Portugal, go 2-1 up after going 1-0 down in the first five minutes from Nani. It's a it's a team back then that you look with uh, Ronaldo and still stronger this year in the World Cup Portugal with Ronaldo again in his fifth uh, that you'd look at back then and be like wow like the U.S. tied and competed with this team back then with mostly MLS guys um, so like I said you look at this team and you think okay we have some better talent all across Europe as well we uh, hopefully still have that same grit that the older U.S. teams had uh, not as much youth. Not as much speed. That's one thing that these uh, that's strong in that seven out of ten rating. Brain is there's an immense amount of speed in this team, pretty much uh, in every aspect of the field. It's really the leadership and the youthfulness. Uh, unfortunately, that's that's bringing me down as well as even like I said, the coach Craig Berhalter. So, what do you think like the U.S. chances are of you know getting out of this group stage here? Right now. Uh, technically, if you're looking at all the groups, this group is technically, once again, the group of death. That was the USA's group in 14 with Ghana, Portugal, Germany. They made it out of that group in second over Portugal. Uh, with uh, Ronaldo was hurt that year as well. Uh, and then we beat Ghana, so that put Ghana down. So we've gone through a harder group of death. This technically is because all four of our teams are in the top 20 in the Coca-Cola FIFA rankings, including Iran. I think they were just 20th or maybe even 21st. I can't remember, but uh, we'll start with the first game off of that question, Brandon. It's USA versus Wales on uh, this upcoming Monday at 2 o'clock. Now, as you will know, and some uh, very few former podcast listeners will know back from our winter special, Brandon, I talked about my favorite player for about 20 minutes. And that was Gareth yes. Bale, who's still a mainstay of, of this and the headliner of this Wales team. How old is, um, is Bale now? He's in his mid-30s. He's in a swan song of wow. career. He's playing, uh, he's playing with LAFC in the MLS now. He scored the tying goal to take it to PKs to win it a few weeks ago over the Philadelphia Union. Now, about six months ago, Bale headed, uh, headed back to Real Madrid after a loan spell for a year at Tottenham. I'm sure you remember that. The big question was from that year to six months is what is Gareth Bale going to do? He didn't know what he probably was going to do. And over the past two months, he's barely featured for the LAFC team, all in preparation to make sure he is fully fit for this World Cup and for Wales. Now, Wales have a few key players here. It's not just going to be him that are younger, uh, more exuberant, you could say, uh, as Bale is now one of the older veterans. You have guys like Dan James over out in Leeds, came from Manchester United and Swansea, one of the fastest players in this tournament. Um, he's going to be a main guy Wales look for. Their defense uh, is is not great, but it's solid with decent Premier League players. Uh, one to name Joe Roden from Tottenham Hotspur. Um, and then also in goal, a guy like Wayne Hennessy, who's played for Crystal Palace in the Premier League a lot. The thing with this Wales team, Brandon, is that they're very much like the U.S. 
Their uh, main man up front is Brendan Johnson of Nottingham Forest. Uh, they just got promoted this year to the Premier League. He's going to be, besides Bill, pretty much what everything is going to be going through. A team like us, like I said, in that they're going to fight for one another. They have a lot of hard work. Uh, they're not really going to be flashy or a team that you're going to be like, oh my goodness, I have to sit down and watch Wales. But it's going to be a game that's difficult. I imagine this one in U.S.'s favor. Uh, I would predict this in U.S.'s favor. However, uh, I would not make this uh, a 2 or 3 nil. This is going to be a one nothing game to the U.S. If it's not 1-1, they're going to scrape away a 2-1 like they did in the first game against Ghana in 2014. I'm not going to predict goal scores, but I do have USA taking the first game. However, if you you know, you know miss this game and you're just taking a look at the scores thinking the U.S. might win because you don't even know where Wales is, uh, you I wouldn't be shocked to see if Wales did get a point here in a tie. Interesting. So this could potentially be a, a, a game... U.S. will look back at and be like, "Darn, we really, we really needed this." Well, one. unfortunately, Brandon, it's not even going to be a game the U.S. looks back on. It's going to be a a World Cup group draw that the U.S. is going to look back on because, as you know, with the Russia and Ukraine involvement, a lot of games were delayed. Wales uh, was a group that was being delayed, and they actually played in a uh, a World Cup, you know, winner take all match basically against Australia. And looking at Australia, they are uh, nobody in this tournament. They have zero glimmer of hope to get a tie in their group. So we're not obviously talking about that group, but uh, it could have been Australia instead of Wales as well. That's one thing that um, is important. Now, Gareth Bale did score that winner. It was a deflected free kick that barely crossed the line. So uh, inches turn into draws, turn into matchups. So you'll see uh, all of it on Monday. Interesting, interesting. All right, so so the next matchup, that's that's the big one. That's the big one. That's to see if we call it soccer or football, Josh. Yeah, this is the one that if anyone in the world is watching, uh, or anyone in the world, anyone in the country is watching, it's definitely this game. It's on Black Friday. Everyone's tummies are still going to be full. They're not going to want to move from their couch and get up and shop anymore. They're going to stay on Amazon or just do Cyber Monday because they're going to watch this game. Now, Brandon, England is a team that on paper... And in everyone's minds is a god uh, amongst men, you could say. You know, most of their players are from the Premier League, the best league in the world. They're picking all their best English guys, of course. How, how could they do so? Where can they go wrong, Brandon? And unfortunately, where they go wrong is that they're pretty much cursed. Um, up until 2018, they didn't win a penalty shootout pretty much in almost any major tournament. Um, up until then, they beat Columbia on penalty kicks. And they got to the semifinal by having to go through a pretty easy run in that World Cup. Uh, and they lost to uh, Croatia, who lost to France in the final, of course. And then they go to the Euros, uh, quote-unquote, 21, because it was played in 2022. And you'll see that they uh, have a few key wins. Now, by few, I mean they beat Germany in a, in a knockout phase. Um now they get to the final and they play Italy and they lose on penalty kicks. I'm sure you, most of you would have remembered that for some unfortunate reasons that we won't discuss on this podcast, Brandon. But um, because of some of the uh, selections of the penalty kick takers for England, there was some uh, not so many good things of the aftermath of that. And it was a very big 
uh, social media uh, story and things like that. However, they lost to Italy in the final, a team that didn't qualify for this World Cup. So with England, Brandon, you're going to have uh, obviously a very strong squad. However, they are in a similar boat in that most of England hates their coach, Gareth, South, uh, Gareth Southgate. Now, Gareth Southgate is a manager that uh, picks off of not just the past six months to a year, maybe, and that's where it hurts him. Uh, the biggest strength for the U.S. is Gareth Southgate being the coach for England because he's decided to bring along players like Harry Maguire at center back of Manchester United who hasn't featured in probably over three months and also had injury. He's a mainstay in the England squad, though, since 2018, so he loves mm-hmm. him. Perfectly fine for the U.S. You have other guys um, that uh, in other positions that are aging, uh, most, like, uh, most notably in the back line as well. You have a guy like uh, Kyle Walker, who's 32, uh, plays for City and is, is very strong, but unfortunately, Brandon, just uh, a player that doesn't really play all that great for England. And you have a guy like Pulisic or Giovanni Reina on that left side who would be very happy to see someone like Kyle Walker still, even though he's a decent mainstay of Man City. I think he can get exposed decently. Also looking at this England team, when it, uh, in terms of the uh, comparison to the U.S., it's somewhat similar in that their attacking and midfield uh, selection is very generous uh, and it's very nice to have. However, someone in somewhere is getting left out. Uh, not only do you have uh, players like uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold in the back line, who's a big name, someone that's not really on form. One of my favorite players from Manchester United, Marcus Rashford, up front as a left winger, is, uh, has been uh, brought to the tournament after about a year or two. Uh, in the past three years of not uh, excelling and playing too, too well, you have a guy like Calvin Phillips in the defensive midfield who hasn't played all this year except for one uh care about cup game it's basically like a triple a game for uh, a professional player like this you have someone mm-hmm. like eric dyer in the back line for tottenham hotspur who i think is just absolutely horrible who's getting selected that can help out uh manchester united's uh, chances um and then the min uh, the other big thing is there's no main big name goalie they're gonna have jordan pickford in goal but it's not to the same names that the england team used to have um if i were to give you two or three names to look out for for england uh, an obvious one would be their striker, Harry Kane. However, the player that you're going to want to look out for is number 22. He's a 19-year-old midfielder from Borussia Dortmund. His name is Jude Bellingham. He's going to be the player that uh, I had wrote, uh, written down for one of my predictions for a young player of the tournament later. Everyone is going to want him, Everybody is going to want to see him and what he can do already at 19. Came from Birmingham City at 17, and they retired his number after 40-odd games. Goes to Dortmund, is already a mainstay in the defensive midfield, arguably... Uh, their best player as well, plays with Giovanni Reina. Uh, and then uh, someone from the attacking front uh, would also be Phil Foden. Um, he's 22 years old, plays for Man City. A lot of got, uh, people have heard about him as the main product, uh, academy product from City. Um, and they'll be the most dangerous uh, to look out for besides the normal names of like a Raheem Sterling or a Jack Grealish or something like that. Um, uh, but for a prediction, Brandon, uh, because England is not great, uh, in tournaments, I would give U.S. a chance to draw again as we did in 2010. Uh, however, at the same time, uh, England's firepower might just be too much for USA. Unfortunately, I'm going to have England uh, as 2-1 winners in this. Interesting. All right, so you think potentially after two games, the U.S. could almost, I mean, pretty much be out. Correct. Like I said, that the 1-0 on Wales uh, is is. 
is hopeful. Um, hopefully they show more than just 1-0. Uh, like I said, I know that's my prediction of 1-0, but it's all setting up to be similar to where it all does come down to that third game for the U.S. against Iran. Um, now, back in 2010, Brandon, you would have known that USA played Algeria uh, in their last group game, and you remember that Donovan goal. It's going to be very similar uh, vibe from 2010. You know, with England again, uh, we tied them, should have probably lost the first game uh, in that tournament. We didn't play too great. We we tied it. Um, and then, you know, in the third game, they play at Algeria. Donovan scores that goal to put him top of the group because England didn't get a result somewhere else, which I still believe they won't because I believe Wales will knock uh, England down a peg. I, th- I think Wales will beat England as they did in the 2016 Euro. England mm-hmm. uh, and Wales have a little bit of a bigger rivalry than USA-England. Uh, the Welsh do not like the English. Um, so coming to this third game against Iran, Brandon, there's not one person I'm going to tell you to look out for on Iran. All I'm going to tell you is that if it comes down to this last game, you just better cross your fingers and hope that the U.S. doesn't choke this one. Uh, because this is a game on paper, I'd, I'd, I'm going to have them winners is, is 2 nothing. Uh, not comfortable. Those two goals I'd see late, if any. However, this game, if you did see the U.S. get a point or lose, this is the one where you'd say, okay, there's something wrong here. We weren't ready for this tournament. And mm-hmm. you got to look forward to the next four years, unfortunately, Brandon. So with that, I do have the USA So not a lot through. of optimism. Uh, uh, decent optimism. I have the U.S. going through in second place in the group. Um, and then after that, whatever happens can happen. Um, they would At most likely two, you think they that, would most likely guess, but, draw the Netherlands, who would finish first in Group A. I do not have the USA beating the Netherlands. So, all right, hold on. So, round. your final prediction is that they go one and two, or one one and one. They'll they'll win two and they'll lose one. They won't have a draw. Oh, so you they're think they'll pick up the that. Wales win? I thought I yes. thought you were saying they lose to Wales. No, I think they're going to beat Wales one zero. But I said you wouldn't be surprised to see a like a one one. I don't think they would lose it. Um, but I don't think that uh, you should be surprised if they don't win it. Interesting, interesting. But like All I said, right. on well, that, so some... I have them going in the, the second place. They'll play Netherlands in the next round if they finish first instead of Senegal because Qatar and Ecuador are not going to make it through that group. You'd see, similarly to USA-Belgium in fourteen, just too much firepower for the U.S. at that point. It's when you get to the big dogs in the knockout rounds. Uh, the Netherlands are led in a front three... Uh, by a tremendous talent. Uh, so they have a player that I think could be up for player of the tournament in uh, Cody Yakpo, G-A-K-P-O. Uh, he's someone you're going to want to look out for, plays for PSV Eindhoven and uh, out in the Netherlands, but in a, like 12 games this season, I think he has like 10 goals and 10 assists already uh, at 22, I believe. So uh, the U.S. has a, a long road ahead of them in, in the next few days, Brandon, but uh, I want to get on to my last four predictions of the awards, and I think we're going to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's, hear, let's hear your overall prediction. Let's hear them. Yeah, so uh, my winner, I've put a future on it. Now, Brandon, because the world works in many uh, different ways, if Argentina and Portugal make it through their group, they do have the opportunity to play each other in the final. And guess what, Brandon? That's exactly what's going to happen. You want to know why? Because that's what God wants. Because God wants to see Messi and Ronaldo fight it off one more time at the barely peaks 
uh, still technically in the downfall of, of both careers, unfortunately. And it will be uh, one match to decide uh, who is the greatest of all time. And I have already told one of our good friends, Greg, uh, that I am putting a $50 future on Portugal. So uh, Portugal will be winning this tournament. If they don't, which isn't surprising, uh, my next uh, uh, team would not be Argentina. Um, you're going to be looking at the boys in yellow in Brazil. Interesting. Um, no, no Germany. No, no, no France. No Germany this year. Uh, they got rid of uh, their old coach, uh, Joachim Lowe. You've definitely seen him before. And now they have mm-hmm. Hansi Flick, the German head coach. So that uh, could be dangerous. However, Brandon, it's too early. Uh, they flopped in eighteen after winners in fourteen, which is what most teams do. So, uh, Brandon, unfortunately, my next surprise is don't. Be shocked to see France maybe slip to second in their group, or maybe not even make it because of the World Cup winners' hangover. Interesting. All right. Well, look, um, we'll, we'll have to see. And then uh, for personal awards, the Golden Ball awarded to the best player of the tournament. I'm actually giving that to Belgium's Kevin De Bruyne. Now, if Belgium okay. want to go far in this tournament, uh, they're going to need every uh, second Kevin De Bruyne is on the field for. You know, they had this golden generation, which was really in 14, barely in 18. It's now gone in 22. A lot of the of the defense is still the same of guys you may know, Jan Vertonghen, Toby Alderweireld. Um, no more Vincent Company, of course. Uh, so they're, they've got some youth, but a lot of veteranship like Lukaku. Still um, Kevin De Bruyne, as I mentioned, a guy like Axel Witzel. Uh, but if, if they're going to go anywhere, it's going to be Kevin De Bruyne literally is going to carry them to whatever place they get, and he's going to have to rack up a lot of goals and assists to do so. So he's my golden ball winner. Even though they might not get very far, I think he might get recognized if they do go somewhat far. He's going to be the one that does everything. My golden boot, I actually predicted this a few months ago on your podcast, and I'm keeping it. It's a dark horse. It's Darwin Nunez of Uruguay. Now, at the time, he was of Benfica. Now he had an 80 million pound move to Liverpool. Uh, he's going to be up there with Luis Suarez and Edison Cavani still. However, he's the new man on the block. He's going to get them to second in that group behind Portugal. My third award for the gold gloves, Alisson. If Brazil win it, he's keeping the most clean sheets. It's very simple. He's done it in the Premier League the past three years. And my young or my best young player award is a player that has to win it under the age of 21. It is going to be going to Germany's center attacking midfielder, Jamal Musiala. He's 19, plays and starts now for Bayern Munich. He was English. Um, and transferred, uh, transferred, switched nationality to Germany a few years ago. It was a very controversial move because of how good this kid is. I actually had Pedri of Spain first. I don't even know if he's young enough anymore to wing it or win it, or he's already won too many young player of the year things to win it again. Like I said, I had Jude Bellingham of England, but I think England won't go as far as Germany. I have Jamal Musiala taking it. Interesting, interesting. All right, well... Josh, any anything else you want to get out here into the world about the World Cup? Get I've got nothing else. Recorded. Just get excited. Put the TV on. Watch it. You know, get it. Get excited. Get involved. It's going to be snowing. You're not going to be able to go outside anyway to miss it. Yeah, I'm. I'm just stoked uh, to see what what our boys in red, white, and blue could do. Maybe you know France can make a little bit of run. It's my second favorite team, so we'll have to see. We'll have to yeah, see. Yeah, there's no pug bun, unfortunately, um, Brandon. Uh, so, I know. Uh, I'm because sad of about this that. winter tournament, there's been a lot of unfortunate injuries. Sadio Mane of Senegal was ruled out today, uh, which is very sad. Uh, Christopher Nkunku of France sprained his knee. Uh, that wasn't very uh, fun to see. So there's uh, those are two to name a few as of recent that some may not have seen, but. 
Brandon, I appreciate you having me on as always, and uh, look forward to seeing what happens with the U.S. after in, in about a month. Yeah, we'll have to have you back on to maybe do a recap or something, but we'll, we'll kind of we'll get there when we get of there. Of course, unless Josh, forget, look, thank you, Trevor, Ben, excellent uh, contributors to this podcast. Uh, whoever has done uh, trivia today, give Brandon the hardest question you can think of. I want to see him rage. I don't even <laughs> care anymore, but, uh, Trevor and Ben. This has been blasphemy. Look, they, I've had some very difficult questions. Uh, and you deserve Trevor, them. Trevor will come out of left field. You don't know what that man's going to do. You deserve him. Um, I don't know about that. I'll look, get, we'll well, see. Brandon, Josh, let, thank you so much. We'll, we'll do this. I'll give you three a trivia question to think of, and whoever can get it first when I listen to the recorded podcast on Sunday, I'll, I'll Venmo a dollar. Name me the player that scored the only hat trick in the 2010 World Cup. Ben, Trevor, Brandon. Whoever gets back to me first, let me know. I'll give you a dollar. Well, see, I, 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 I'm, I have a head. It's, I feel like it's not fair for me to compete here because I can just look it up. Well, you're not going to do it now because we're going to end it before I can hear it. I guess that's a good point. All right. Well, look, thank you, Josh, for being on. We, we love having you on, as always. Uh, it's sad that the other two couldn't join us today, but that's okay. We still had a great interview. Um, yeah, everyone, go watch the World Cup. Josh, anything you want to plug, talk about no, before, before we really... Nothing. Small it? baller podcast. Oh, of course, of course. Yes, got to listen to that. All right, well, thank you, Josh, and we'll send it back to, to all three of us. All right, and we're, uh, we're back uh, from Josh's World Cup interview, which, which was just a joy to do. I'm sure you guys will listen to it. You guys will enjoy it. Um, he did a good job. He's honestly not as optimistic about the U.S. as I thought he would be, uh, but, you know, look, we'll, we'll kind of have to, uh, to wait and, and see. Um, okay, Trevor, we're moving along here. Uh, we'll, we we got a lot, still so much to talk about. Um, we'll move on over to the NBA, and we uh we have a uh, you know some stuff to talk about for sure. Um, what are where are we starting, uh, in the NBA today? Yeah, so I'm gonna start with the Philadelphia 76ers actually because I think their season so far has been pretty interesting. Um, they're eight and eight through 16 games, which slots them at the. Well, they're tied with the Knicks for the eight seed, so the you know eight nine seed. They're right on that that edge line um, for the playoffs, and I, I think the first point here is just going. I know this happened almost a week, basically a week ago now, but Joel Embiid. I have to mention this insane game that he had last Sunday against the Utah Jazz, which the Utah Jazz surprisingly have obviously had a very good season so far. And Joel Embiid in this game, he had fifty nine points, eleven rebounds. Um, eight assists, and I, I believe seven blocks. So just an absolutely absurd stat line from Joel Embiid. And, and yeah, like you, you heard all that correctly. I said 59 points, 11 rebounds, eight assists, and seven blocks. Yes, Joel Embiid did that in one game. Um, that happened. So that's just wild. And the Sixers, like it's not even like this was like a game of like the score is 140 to 138, and they played three overtimes. No, it was... The game didn't go to overtime. The 76ers scored 105 points in this game. The final score was 105 to 98. The Sixers won. So really just an outstanding uh, individual performance from Joel Embiid. And I think that goes to the larger point I have here with the Philadelphia 76ers is that um, really, you know, James Harden, he's been out for a little bit of a while now. Um, Tyrese Maxey just had a little bit of an injury. He's supposed to be out for the next three to four weeks which is unfortunate, obviously. You don't want to see these injuries. But the thing that's very interesting with the 76ers is they don't all really seem to coexist in a way that maximizes um, all of their games, and we're seeing that. Joel Embiid 
without James Harden has been performing much better um, than he did with James Harden. He had a slow start out of the gate when you know the offense was a little bit more geared toward James Harden's strengths. Um, obviously, James Harden had a pretty good start statistically before he got hurt, and now you're seeing Joel Embiid. His play has really rised up um, without James Harden. So I think that's really interesting, and I think that is an issue for the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, at the beginning of the season, they were one of the teams that people were talking about as being a contender, but I don't, I, and, and I had them in my top three in the East. You know, I was like, there's Milwaukee, there's Boston, there's Philly. Like they're, you know, they're at least third. And I, I don't really think that's the case anymore. Um, even if, you know, James Harden comes back, he's fully healthy. They all play together. They, it's just tough for them to coexist. And maybe I could be wrong. Maybe I'm just like prisoner of the moment of like, you know, maybe it'll just take time. Maybe by the end of the season, they're able to work it out. And it's a way where, you know, uh, Joel Embiid is still performing, you know, as well as he can with James Harden together, but they haven't been able to figure it out so far. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how that continues to go. But I did want to mention that because I think that's going to be interesting to see how the 76ers continue to try to work work this out, you know, mess around with different lineups. But at the moment, they, they can't really solve the issue because Harden's not there. So if Harden's not there, and now Maxie's not there, uh, they really just have to focus on, you know, clawing out these games, you know, playing Joel Embiid probably a lot of minutes in a lot of these games because they're 8-8, eight and eight, and you don't want to let it slip away too far. So at the moment, they, they kind of can't uh, figure out what the issues are when they're all there because they're not all there. So right now it's it's tough for Philly. They just have to focus on winning games. And then once Harden and Maxi are back, you know, maybe once we get to the new year, January, February, that's when we can start, you know, looking at the 76ers and saying, okay, what are they doing to figure out some of these issues? Um, because, I mean, with Joel Embiid and, and this team they have put together, they're obviously trying to win the championship. So that's going to be very interesting. Um, the other, I guess, I guess I'll go to this one because there's another player that I really wanted to talk about, um, that I wanted to talk about last week, but I didn't, you know, we, every week we have so much to talk about. Um, but you know, the Oklahoma city thunder, obviously they're another team that, uh, I guess similar to, you know, like the Utah jazz, for instance, they, they weren't supposed to be very good. They were supposed to be one of these teams that maybe they're in the, the tank watch for Victor Webanyama. Maybe they're in that running. But the Oklahoma City Thunder, they haven't been, obviously they're not as good as the Jazz, but they haven't been bad. They're 7-9 and nine through 16 games. And a huge reason why that's happening is because of one man by the name of Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, Shea Gilgis, Gilgis Alexander this year, he's averaging about 31 points per game. I think he's one of seven players right now that are averaging over 30 points per game. And he's doing it without shooting three uh, without shooting a lot of three-pointers. Like, I think he's only attempted about 2.9 three-pointers per game. And I saw a stat, I, th I don't know if it was like StatMuse or one of those sites on Twitter, where they said, like, the only two players that have averaged 30 points, or I think the only other guard that's averaged 30 points in a season without attempting uh, three three-pointers was Michael Jordan. So, like, that's, essentially, that's the company that, that Shea's in with, is Michael Jordan. Now, it's only 16 games, but nevertheless, I think we have to point out how fantastic Shea has been for this team. I mean, there's so many different uh, late-game situations. He's hitting clutch shots. He just hit a clutch shot uh, the other night to win a game. 
and he's been fabulous. I mean, he's just, the way he's able to get to the basket, it's not even like he's super quick. Like, he's not as fast as Darren Fox. He's not as strong as, like, a prime Russell Westbrook. He's not as athletic or as tall as, like, a Michael Jordan or a Dwayne Wade. Uh, you know, it's it's a little bit more of him playing at his own pace, being very skilled, and, you know, being able to create opportunities for himself. And it's just very impressive to see. So I, I did want to point out his performance. Um, I think the last thing I'll go through is just two teams that haven't been playing so well. Um, the Chicago Bulls and the Miami Heat. Um, they're they're kind of going through it right now, which is unfortunate because I obviously um, I'm a Miami Heat fan and I also want the Bulls to do well. I, I live in this area, in the Chicago area. Both of them not doing so hot. The Heat are 7-9. The Bulls are 6-10. and ten. Um, For the Bulls, it, you know... It's it's a lot of different things, I guess, that you can kind of all combine into one. They're not shooting a lot of three-pointers. I think they are they attempt, like, maybe the third least in the league or something. Their defense has fallen off. Uh, they've had some injury issues. Um, you know, you can't really expect DeRozan to be the same guy, right? Like, Lonzo Ball's out. So I think it's a lot of different issues for the Bulls. And then the Miami Heat, um, I mean, like, they haven't had the same defensive intensity that they had last year. Last year, their identity was built on defense. That was such a huge part of it. What they did, they had P.J. Tucker. Now they no longer have him. Um, And then you have guys like Kyle Lowry that are very hit or miss. Sometimes they have good performances, but other times they're, you know, they're not as good. And they're an older team. They're an older team, so it's hard to keep up the defensive intensity. And then offensively, all too often... It's just like, Jimmy Butler, please save us. Like, like Spider-Man, like, come and save us. Like, we are, we are hanging off the building. We need you to come and save us. And sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. You know, and that's kind of what's been going on with the Heat. But those are kind of my thoughts for this week on the NBA. Um, Brandon, did, did you have any, any thoughts on some of these teams right now? I mean, it, it's really been a pretty pretty crazy start to this NBA season. Yeah, so <clears throat> here's my here's my question for you. Is there any team you kind of saw th- through the first five, six games, you're like, this team's really, they look like they're, they're real good, and they've kind of fallen off since then, where it's, they've come back to mediocrity. Is there any team that's kind of happened like that? Um, well, <laughs> well, the Cavs are a little bit like that. Now, I, I don't think the Cavs are mediocre. I, I still think the Cavs are very good. I mean, they had a couple games where Mitchell was out, Jared Allen missed a few games in a row. So I still think the Cavs are very good. Uh, but just in terms of literally their record, it would apply. I, I don't think it's, again, the record isn't always, doesn't tell the whole story. So I think the Cavs will fix some of their issues. But that's one of the teams that came to my mind. Um, I, you know, I thought the Bulls were actually pretty darn good. Uh, you know, the first couple games I watched them, they had a big win against the Celtics. I was like, all right, like Chicago, they have some things going for them. Maybe they aren't going to, you know, fall off after last year. Like, Io DeSumo's playing really well. Alex Caruso is, has been awesome. And Nikola Vucevic, he, you know, he stepped up a little bit here. Um, you know, and Zach Levine has had a couple good games here or there. So I actually thought the Bulls at the beginning of the year uh, were playing very well, but um, they've certainly kind of fallen back. They just lost to the Orlando Magic the other night. They're now 6-10. and 10, So I think in terms of record, the Cavs could fit that, but I actually don't think the Cavs would be my answer because I still think they're very good. Uh, the Bulls would actually be my answer to this question. Interesting, interesting. So the Bulls kind of kind of classify there. Um, okay, Ben, anything you want to mention NBA-wise before we move to, to wrap up with the NFL, of course? 
Yeah, shout out LeBron, the Los Angeles Lakers, four and ten. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I all this whole season, I'm like, ah, who cares? It doesn't matter. LeBron's just being a, a fantastic GM because they're going to get a top whatever pick, and then I I realize that they don't have a, a first round pick. pick, so they're they're just they're just terrible. They're just going to be terrible forever at this point. Um, no, that's all I got. Again, I I've watched very little NBA. I'm not going to act like I know it. <laughs> Brandon, when you asked a question about which team can, has come back to life a little bit, I'm just I was like, oh, Trevor, just please please say the Cavs, please <laughs> say the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um. Because, again, I don't really follow the NBA, but I do know they started off, they had a hot start, and then what Trevor talked about last week was, not that they're bad, like you said, but they have cooled off just a little bit. They're still a good team, though. I would agree with that. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. I, I think Jared Allen's I think Jared Allen's very important, and I think people don't maybe don't realize his impact sometimes. So the fact that he's missed some of those games that they've lost, um, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't be like a Cavs fan and be like, oh, no, actually, we, you know, they're, they're actually not very good. I, I don't think that's true. Yeah, nah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you. I, I'm, I like the Cavs. I'm, I'm cool with the Cavs. I like the Cavs a lot. Um, so I, I think they're better than the record. Let's, uh, let's move along here though to the NFL. Wrap up our, our pod here for today. Um, look, biggest takeaways from Week Ten, Ben. Let's start with, with you. Uh, we had a crazy Vikings Bills game. Just insane Vikings Bills game. Um, any other takeaways that we got to see as our teams were on by? Yes, they were on by, which is which is always like, it depends on the, the team. Like if the team's really like for you, Brandon, like it's like oh this this stinks. But sometimes when your team's terrible, it's almost like a buy is nice because it doesn't ruin your weekend like a normal loss would. Um, but I, I'm glad it's over because the the buy is always so hard because it's like like you want to watch the NFL and you do, but it's like I just want to root for my team. So it is nice that they're off a buy. Um, in terms of last last week, I mean, how can you not give a shout out to Jeff Saturday beating the uh, <laughs> the uh, the Los Angeles Raiders? Um, are the Colts good? No, but as a as a uh, Jonathan Taylor fantasy owner, I, I appreciate him deciding that Jonathan Taylor's healthy. I'm going to give him the ball because that seems like something that has been lost on the Colts this year. Is that when he's healthy, he had he wasn't getting the ball as much as I would like to. As again, his fantasy owner. Um, so I appreciate Jeff Saturday giving the ball to his best player and supporting my fantasy team. I'm, I'm always going to be thankful for that. Uh, the last the last thing I'll, I'll take away um, is the uh, the Dallas Cowboys, they kind of just pulled a Cowboys. Like, I mean, they're up 10 or whatever it was, 14 in the fourth quarter. Mike McCarthy pulled a Mike McCarthy. They lost their team that they're way better than. And I guess I know that it's tough to play at Lambeau, especially when the weather was like it, what it was. It was very cold. Um, maybe there was some snow on the ground or whatever. But the, the Cowboys are a much better team. And this is the same type of thing that you see with the Cowboys every year where they're a good team. And most of the time they are more talented or they have more talent or better players than the other teams. But they sometimes get in their own way. And and that's been their issue in the playoffs is they constantly get in their own way in the playoffs year after year. Um, and that is just another prime example of the Cowboys doing that um, last week against the Packers. So the Packers, um, since then, they've lost to the Titans, mm-hmm. but they have shown sign of life that we really haven't seen from the Packers in a long time up to this point. So, um, again, takeaways from that game, Cowboys got in their own way in the Packers. Maybe they're not as bad as we think, but that after Thursday against the Titans, maybe they are as bad as we think. Who knows? It's the NFL. It's been a crazy year. It's going to continue to be a crazy year, which is why we all continue to watch it and why we love mm-hmm. it and hate it at the same time. <laughs> and look, the NFL, is, it's it's just the best, but it, it is infuriating. I will say that. It is definitely infuriating sometimes. Um, Trevor, any any takeaways from, from this past week that you want to talk about? Yeah, so I, I was going to mention the Cowboys as well because I've been pretty high on the Cowboys for a little while now, and I've been kind of shocked at how bad Dak Prescott's been. Like, 
I guess when I when he was going to come back, I was like, all right, the Cowboys, they're looking really good. You know, with Cooper Rush right now, their defense is playing well. They have Micah Parsons, who's been incredible. They're, they have a decent offensive line, like, you know, Tony Pollard. He He's pretty, like, he's pretty solid. When Dak comes back, this could be a challenger to the Eagles for the NFC. And I guess I was just kind of assuming that Dak would come back and be the same Dak Prescott we saw last year. I mean, I was just looking at his stats. Last year, he threw 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and, you know, a number of other, like, really good stats in comparison to this year. But this year, he only has six touchdowns and four interceptions. Um, so just that ratio there, six touchdowns to four interceptions. His completion percentage has fallen. You know, overall, he hasn't played as well, which is really surprising. I can't really put my finger on it, but it, it obviously gives me more hesitance on, you know, what I thought about the Cowboys before. So I think... That's really interesting. Obviously, they, they have a big game today against the Vikings. That'll be interesting. Um, but th- that's one of the takeaways that I had. You guys kind of talked about Vikings-Bills. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I need to apologize to the Vikings, but, you know, I, I should have been a little more... Um, I guess I should have given them a little bit more respect, you know? They, they beat the Bills. They're 8-1. and one. Um, I, I think it's finally time to wear... You know, I think I was watching the Countdown show this morning, and I think one of them, I don't know if it was Randy, it might have been Randy Moss, or it was one of the people on the set that was like, oh yeah, but the Vikings don't blow anyone out, or something. Like, they're winning these close games, uh, but they don't blow anyone out. And I was like, yeah, like, that's true, but like, at this point, they're 8-1, they beat the Bills, I think we just kind of need to lay off of them. Like, they've kind of proven it at this point, you know? So I, I feel like it's time to lay off the Vikings Am I going to sit up here and pick them to, to make the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl? No, I'm not going to. But, you know, could the Vikings win a couple games, maybe make the NFC Championship game? It seems possible. It seems like that's within the realm of possibility. So, yeah, you know, I think it's time to lay off the Vikings a little bit and just give them a little bit of respect. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. And in my rankings, little plug for my article, in my rankings, the Vikings went up. Uh, they've been impressive beating, you know, a very impressive Bills team is, is nothing to, you know, nothing to sneeze at here. This is an impressive, impressive win. Um, and I, I think the Vikings have a, a very good spot in, in the league at the moment. Um, yeah. so let's, let's, uh, continue on here. Let's, let's go to our cross off. Cause I think we might have some, uh, differences in our cross off mm-hmm. today. You know, so each week we're, we're crossing off one team that we think won't be in the playoffs. Um, and at the end, you know, we'll have to see how correct we are. Uh, I, I think we already are in like a tough spot. Like we had the commanders out, right? Didn't we take the commanders out? Um, so the commanders, let's see, where are they at? Yes. So we did cross up the commanders who are doing pretty well right now. Yeah. Um, they might, even, they might even make... talk about the Eagles game, but yeah, they're, they're looking pretty good. Yeah. They might. I mean, who knows? They, I mean, my whole article I wrote was pretty much because the Eagles lost. It was the upset Not edition, upsets. so yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I I think I have a team that I want to put in here. I think there's two good teams, but I'm interested to hear what you have to say first, Trevor, before I reveal my two teams. Yeah, so I I narrowed it down to four teams. I have the Cleveland Browns, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Denver Broncos, and the New Orleans Saints. And to be honest, I was looking at all of these teams' remaining schedules. Um, and I think they're all viable options, to be honest. I mean, the Browns are three and six. They got the Bills today, which again, it's NFL. Anything can happen. But, uh, you know, they play the Bills. Just saying. The Jaguars, they're three and seven. Uh, the Broncos are three and six. 
And the like the Broncos haven't even played the Chiefs yet. They're three and six. They still have two games against the Chiefs. And then you look at the Saints. They are three and seven. So uh, two three or two of these teams are three and seven. Two of them are three and six. I think all of them are strong options. I think if I have to pick one that I think I would cross off, to be honest, I think I'd pick the Browns. And I think I think I'd pick the Browns again. There's not a big difference for me, but I think I'd pick the Browns just because. When I look at their schedule, they're three and six. I think the AFC is a tougher conference, so I want I almost lean more toward the AFC here um, than going with like the Saints, even though the Saints suck. But they play the Bills, then they play the Bucks. Um, they still got to play the Bengals and Ravens both. I mean, that could easily be four losses right there. I I don't know. I just I just doing the math on this, and you could do the same thing with all three of the other teams because I don't think any of them are making the playoffs. But doing the math. I think the Browns at least are going to have 10 losses, at least 10 losses. So I have two teams on my radar, and I'm not putting the Browns on those two teams. I, I think the Browns have potential to get to eight or nine wins and maybe make it in. I doubt it. I I'm, I'm don't think they will make it in. I, I am not a believer in the Browns at all. Um, but I have two teams that are worse than them, in my opinion. I think the Rams and Saints have worse outlooks than the Browns, specifically the Saints. The Saints would be my pick for today. Um, I I just think <coughs> I think the Browns have just a marginally better chance, especially if Watson when Watson comes back uh, versus those two teams. That really the Saints are pretty beaten up. They have a lot of long term injuries, and the Rams have just looked horrible. Um, so Ben, it's gonna kind of go to you. What are, what are your opinions here for our, our cross off? I mean, th- there's one team that w- we have to cross. It's the Jags. How, why are we? Why have we not crossed off the Jags yet? And I know, yes, <laughs> the reason why is because their division is terrible. I know that. Okay, but here's the thing: the Browns have played at the moment of this recording. They've they've played nine games. The Jags have already played ten games, so they got one less game to work with than the Browns do. They're in the AFC. You're gonna have to win at least probably nine games in the AFC to 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 uh, make the playoffs. I I just I I cannot believe we still have not crossed off the Jags. I I just assumed we have. The Saints, I guess I kind of understand. NFC, their division's not good. Um, but the Jags being the AFC, like, we got to cross off the you Jags. Know, I, I would much rather cross off the Jags than the Browns, okay? If, if it's coming down to that, pick the Jags over the Browns. I, I'm cool with the Browns. We can cross off the Browns. The Rams, eh, we can do that. But I think it's it's too risky considering there's way easier. There's way teams with a lot less risk that we can cross off the I, Rams. I'm yeah. actually cool crossing off the Jags. Let me list off the Jags next games. Ravens, Lions, Titans, Cowboys, Jets, Texans, and Titans. I yeah, see that's at best that's two wins. At best. Yeah, I agree. The, a Lions and uh, Texans win is very possible. The rest are like first place teams. Yeah. They gotta play the Titans twice. Yeah, I'm cool with crossing the Jags off. I see at best six wins, maybe six, and that's a generous six. It's probably gonna be four or five in total. I am now on Team Jags. Let's cut them out. What yeah, do you think, Jags are cool with me. I I I, w- I went Browns over Jags just because I simply think the Jaguars are a better football team than the Browns. But uh, doing the math here, it's also very tough for the Jags. They're three and seven, and you just t- mentioned the schedule. You know, I, I don't know. They're they're probably going to be five and twelve, six eleven at best. I would say. Yeah. Get them out of here. I don't even six and eleven. I mean, get, getting somehow accomplishing three wins in the schedule would be quite the feat. I also should mention of their remaining games, four are away, three are at home. So this is this is an uphill battle to say the least. They have back to back away games twice. 
This is a mess. <laughs> I, I, Ben, I'm with you. Jags it is. Cross them off. Get them out of All here. Right. All right, let's move along to SBP bets. This is where we each have a bet with each other. Um, to, you know, I don't even know what it's for at this point. Um, but it's kind <laughs> dinner. Of oh yeah, for like, din- like a dinner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the, dinner. the loser buys the winner a dinner on on all three bets. Um, okay, so let's do the first one that we're all involved in. That's the overall points scored. Um, I guess 22.9, 22.4 for you, Trevor, and 22.2 for you, Ben. This is the average point scored by a team. Uh, all teams combined, they're average. Um, it is right now, it actually did go up from 21.8. It is now at 21.9. So, Ben, you are still in first place. I feel like you are relatively close to securing this victory. I think it's going to be pretty hard for it to move all the... Because here's the thing. It's going to have to move up to 22.3. Or no, 22.4 for, for you to, to lose. That's yeah. that's another half a point. I think it's going to be tough for you to lose. It's not impossible, for sure. A lot of games left, but I think it would be quite difficult um, for it to get to that stage. So, Ben, I, I, if I were you, I'd feel pretty good with that. Um... Trevor, me and you have wins versus Lions versus Panthers. Uh, somehow, I don't really understand. The Panthers have won three games. The only hope right now is that they are playing each other eventually, and the Lions have played one last game. Um, so I don't know. I feel I'm a little nervous about that. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, um, the Bears. The Bears did not. Uh, they, the Bears disappointed me. They were supposed yes. to win that game last week, and they lost to the Lions. Surprised so. we haven't considered cutting the Bears out yet. I uh that, that that's also probably a good cut out, good cross off. Um, all right, did, you did two we not, have. Did we not cross the bears all yet? Or have we? Maybe we have. Honestly, I, don't I think know. we. I think we already did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, we already. Did. We already. We already crossed them off. Um, you two have Brady versus Burrow touchdowns. I'd assume this is still not even close. Does anyone have the number in front of them? Uh, I got him. Burrow is at eighteen. Brady's at twelve. So six six touchdown lead for myself. Bur- I mean, Burrow didn't play last week, so yeah, it's gonna be 18. gonna be a rough uphill battle for you there, Trevor. Um, ben, between me and you, it is Allen versus Herbert. Um, what do we have in that score region? So I got a six point lead as well. It's twenty for Josh Allen and fourteen for Justin okay. Herbert. Uh, hopefully Herbert comes back a little bit. He's getting his receivers back today, so maybe that number has a little uptick, which would be nice. But we'll have to see. Um, okay, last little subject here is week 11. This upcoming week, we have a, a very nice slate of games, um, in my opinion. Um, ben, let's start with you. What's a game that you're looking most forward to? I think I know what it would be, but let's, 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 what, are, what are you most looking forward to? Well, I, I haven't even looked at the, the slate yet, so let me look. All right, then we'll skip you. Um, Trevor, I mean, what, what's your... Yeah, skip me. <laughs> There's Trevor, what's, you what's your, what game are you looking ben. forward to most? Um, yeah, so I mean, this is a big game for the Patriots today. They're they're playing the Jets at home. Uh, big one for the division. Big one for the wild card. I mean, all the AFC East has surprisingly. Well, I mean, I, I guess I thought they'd be a decent division, but there's an argument they're the best division in football, to be honest, which is a little surprising to me. Uh, yeah, this is a big game for both of these teams. Obviously, for you know playoff implications here, the Patriots need to pull it out. Come on, Zach Wilson, just give us one. Give give us an interception or two. Um, please. Um, but yeah, huge game there. Pats, Jets, definitely one I'm looking forward to. Um, obviously you have the Cowboys Vikings. I mentioned this one earlier. Cowboys Vikings is going to be huge. The game is, uh, Minnesota's the home team. However, Dallas is a favorite in this game. 
Um, a little bit surprising considering, you know, the events of the past week, the way the results have gone. The Vikings should be favored, but who knows? Vegas, you know, they, I don't know. I guess they know something I don't. But that, that'll that be a really interesting game to see what happens there. Um, you know, the Cowboys, I, I mentioned the Dak thing. Another thing that's been interesting is the defense hasn't been quite as good um, as it's been, as it was earlier in the year. I mean, Micah Parsons has been such a big part of this defense. I saw, I've seen like, heard like some rumblings about like, is Micah Parsons a little injured or is there something wrong? I haven't looked too deep into that, but that could be a concern for the Cowboys there. But that game certainly, and then obviously the Sunday night game, Chiefs Chargers, uh, always, you know, when those teams are playing nowadays, always, you know, a great game. Yeah, yeah, no, it for sure is. Ben, uh, uh, going back to you, I, I, eventually here, I'm expecting you to say the game I think you're going to say. Yeah, I mean, it's a no-brainer. It's, it's the Bears and the Falcons. Oh, that's not Just what a, I thought you said. Phenomenal <laughs> game. Here's, here's why, though. Here's why. Because both teams hate throwing the ball, so this game might take like an hour and a half. I'm not even kidding. Like, I mean, think about it. Like, the Bears don't need to throw the ball. They have a running back, a quarterback, kind of like the Ravens. Um, and the Falcons have Kyle Pitts, but for whatever reason, they just don't think he deserves the ball ever, and they have Marcus Mariota, so... Um, I mean, both teams throw the ball, like, I'm not even kidding, like 15 times a game. So I think that could be a fantastic game just because it could be over so quickly. Um, so if you're, if you if your team is playing on Fox after that game, don't worry. It will not, this game will not run long. It'll be done by like 3.30 max. I have, I have a question for you, Ben. Um, What's that? Is it, is it time for Desmond Ritter for the Atlanta Falcons? Is it time? That's a great question. So I, I've asked a lot of all, all of my University of Cincinnati insiders that, and they're very biased. So they 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 said the answer was yes, like the day after he got drafted. But I don't know. I mean, I think at this point, well, let, let me say this: the division is still up for grabs. They haven't lost the division yet. I mean, they're four and six, but the division's not good. And I think the Bucks are still going to win it. But um, I think I say you stick with Marcus Mariota and, until your season is done. So until you, it's been you know, it's it's pretty clear that you are not going anywhere. Then at that point, like there's no there's nothing to lose if you're going to test out a rookie quarterback. But for the time being, you're still in a tight division race that is still absolutely up for grabs. You still have games that you can absolutely win and put yourself in a in a beneficial position. Then stick with the veteran. Stick with the person that's done it for multiple teams. Um, that is more familiar with the offense, at least to an extent, just in general against against NFL defenses. So. Not yet, but I think very, very soon it will be time for Desmond Ritter. By the end of this year, absolutely. They gotta I put him in eventually, at least right? A few games. Uh, no, they will, because at some point they're gonna lo- they're gonna be out of contention for the playoffs, and that's when I think you gotta. I mean, you're just wasting you're wasting time at that point if you're not gonna give him a shot. I mean, I feel like eventually here we we gotta be at a point where it's like, wait, when are we putting Ritter in? Uh, it's ridiculous. He will he will get his chance this year. I I, I believe that one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, and no, I'm 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 with you. I I believe it as well. All right. Um, I think I think that's about it, right, guys? I I think we're 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 about done for today. That'll kind of wrap up the uh, the podcast for today. Um, let's see. Is there? Yeah. No. I think that I think that's it. All right. So I think we'll wrap it up. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. Of course. Um, you know, subscribe to the podcast, leave a five star review. And gentlemen, I actually have a surprise for you, which is part of the intro now. All right. Uh, I want you guys to both whip up your phones. Okay. Tell me when you guys have done this. This is on the fly. These I want to point out, uh, our listeners, they don't know what I'm about to say. I'm off the rails here. Okay. So both of okay. you guys whip okay. up your phones, okay? Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. I've been working on this for a couple weeks. A little surprise. I want you guys to go to Safari on your phone or whatever internet browser you use. And I want you to look yeah. up okay. thesesmallballers.com. 
I want you to whip it up and see see what happens. Okay. How slow can I type? Um, dot com. Go. Let's see what's here. Smallballers.com. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right. Okay. We're I'm, there. I'm, I'm here. There. We we officially have our own domain and we own it. Oh, do we? Yes, we do. It should. I'm gonna be honest. I, wow. What does that mean? Does that just mean the little the smallballs.com is ours? It is ours. We own it. I've been working on this for this like two dope. weeks now. Officially, you can now look up thesmallballers.com. It is gonna be the link is in the description. We have our own domain now, and we own it. So, so that was the surprise. Is just that we own our own domain now, which is kind of cool. So my my next question. I appreciate Brandon. My next question was, did someone else own the smallballers.com before us? Uh, no, n- no. no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. I just thought it'd be we, we, we own it. But but look, it's still cool. I wanted okay. to surprise you guys. I, I did this book. I, I, I got word before the podcast that it, it was set up. Um, nice. And I was wanting to surprise you guys on the podcast. So there's a little surprise today. So everyone go check out the website. Uh, if you yeah. haven't, we're posting a ton of stuff. Articles, podcasts, everything is on the website. Um, so go take a look at it. But we'll wrap it up there for today. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons.